now for the Faith FM Breakfast Show with your hosts, Lyle and Lawson. Welcome, everybody. You're listening on 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning. Special shout out this morning to all those listening in Cobden, Victoria on 87.6. Karatha in Western Australia on 87.6 and Robertson, New South Wales on 87.8. If you're listening from one of those transmitters, we would love to hear from you. Give us a call. Shoot us a text message, 0491 Lawson, what are you thankful for this morning? Lyle, I went bowling last night and I thoroughly and convincingly lost. That's cool. Like, last. This, this makes me I happy. am... Terrible at bowling. In fact, I think I seem to remember having gone bowling with you yeah. before. And if my memory serves me correctly, I beat you uh, for sure. I think, which is an epic achievement that, for me like, to beat anyone in bowling. I am like, I've got. I'm so bad at bowling that now it's just gotten to a point where it's just a joke. Like for me, <laughs> so my favorite way to throw the ball, my favorite way to bowl is I do like a pass off the chest. Right. So imagine I run to the to the start of the lane and then I just throw it straight from my chest. So like you, just do, you just do comedy. You and don't, then you it don't just, do bowling. It bounces. You don't even try. Like, dunk, dunk. And then, uh, you know, I do some through the legs shots. Yeah, I think last night I, I dude, I was going hard. I, I scored a fierce... 36 pins. Oh, no. <laughs> but I was like throwing through the legs and throwing off my chest and doing kind of wild stuff. Yeah. But yeah, I'm I am not into bowling. I can beat you in something. But it was it's fun. Good to know. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Let's have a question for our quiz. All right, here we go. The, la- this is your last opportunity. Last opportunity, last chance to get in for our days of Daniel board game who sought to destroy the jews in the time of queen esther okay and you know who did that 0491 that is the number two caller text again our prize for this week is the days of daniel board game that we will give to you absolutely for free provided you win the draw that's coming at around 8 45 to today again the number is 0491064669 and that question was who sought to destroy the Jews in the time of Queen Esther if you want any T's and C's terms and conditions in regards to our quiz you can head on over to faithofm.com.au and you'll find all that information fantastic stuff all right let's have some positively different news this morning positively different news Lyle motorcycles yes motorcycles yes. yes let's talk about it positively different news this is always going to be a positive news story when there are engines involved that's right well these aren't engines oh they're kind of wheels. engines they're electric engines that Whatever. are surrounded by two wheels motors they're electric motors honda has announced that between now and 2025 they're going to be releasing 10 new electric models they have it like they're going to be releasing them one after the other they've kind of like put this promo out where all the bikes are blacked out and you don't know what they are but the majority of them looks like mopeds then we've got a few cruisers a few like really big scooters and then but what what i can see the one that interests me is an electric looking dirt bike is it two-wheel drive no I think I think there's a I think nah, there is a market no, for two wheel drive no, motorbike. I'm okay. This is like this is an area where I am kind of a purist, and and, and that doesn't like I, I don't care about things enough to usually be that way. 
But in motorcycles, I'm like, no, rear-wheel drive only. Okay, but think about think about two-wheel drive. There are going to be times, and I'm not saying all the time, but there are going to be times when some drive to the front wheel would definitely be an advantage. Or you could just get good. It's been done before, <laughs> and it's effective, but the engineering involved in it is... So complex that because of chains and sprockets, yeah, it's and just whatnot. not it's yeah. just not worthwhile. Whereas if you have a hub in the front wheel, it's so Problem much easier. Solved. We know all these things, Lyle. Yes, but well, you know these things, I know these things. But what the listeners need to know is that I am a purist, Lyle, <laughs> and that it should, <laughs> motorcycles Man. should not have engines in the front wheel. That is strange. See, I'm a four wheel driver. Yeah, that's. I'm right. a four wheel driver, and yeah, for stick a four wheel driver, wheels, Lyle. now, but for four wheel driver, it's about all wheels driving. Yeah. All wheels driving. Stick stick to four wheels, La. Stick to all those wheels when when we're in the realm. I just want to ride a two wheel drive motorbike in the bush sometime and see how different it is. Mm. You know, you could computer control it so that it only kicks in when needed. Yeah, that's right. Because like a traction control system. Mm. Because because for me, like the easiest way to crash in a motorcycle is what's called a low side, uh, which is where you lose traction to the front wheel and, and go down and. For me, like applying power to the front wheel is just feels like such a terrible idea because, um, depending on like how the bike's set up, like the majority of low sides happen when you're going into the corner. You you apply the brake, you put some lean angle in, and you start to lose traction on the front wheel and you crash. Um, but at at certain times, depending on the bike setup and particularly on dirt bikes, you can lose the front end coming out of the corner, which is where you'll have too much weight on the back. You'll want to put like on the or towards the back of the motorcycle. You want to put some more angle in to get further around the corner whilst applying the throttle and you can lose the front then. And I'm just thinking if you add drive to that, mm-hmm, you're th- in trouble. then you're, you're really making, putting yourself in a position where you can come unstuck. Although you could, if it was computer controlled and super intelligent, mm-hmm. actually increase traction to the front wheel. However, here's another thought. How many times have you seen or even experienced being in the middle of a mud puddle, both feet in the mud, a rooster tail, of mud coming out the yeah. back okay. and yeah. drive had, to the front wheel. It would save you. At the flick of a switch, Yeah, would save you. 100%. I agree. But I'm a purist, Lyle. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I, and I yeah. don't Read care. there for a second and then, the, and then it they, kicked back in like, and it was all over. Uh, it, it's been a big enough deal to accept electric motorcycles, Lyle. Let's leave it there, okay? Anyways, hey... I have another story here. We were talking about some coins yesterday. We're talking about this coin in Jerusalem. Yeah, that was a wild story. And just how it ended up all over the world. It was eventually found in the United States. That was a coin minted in 69 AD, one of the last Jewish coins ever produced. One of only four in existence. That's right. And then, bam, you know, they, they... found what well one was looted from a cave in 2002 and then finally caught it like years and years and years later now the sad part of that story was in the end that the people who find it that find the coin uh with the israel antiquities association they're like there's no such thing as finders keepers anything you find belongs to us and we're going to take it from you because we own it that's that's the laws of their country well it's a little bit different in britain Oh, absolutely. It's Finders a, keepers is a thing in, in, yeah, in British archaeology. There are some limitations, yes. but there is a couple. They bought a house, and in their house they were like, hey, we want to you know, tear up some, some floorboards here, chuck in a new kitchen, 
As you, know, you do. As you do. I did that in my house. That's right. In the middle of doing that process of doing that in my house. Sure. They open up the floorboards and they find stashed under their house 260 British coins uh, that come between the reign of James I and George I, containing about £100,000 worth of gold, but expecting to collect at auction £250,000 because it's an antique. Now... These are, like, this house in particular, it's an 18th century home. And these coins date around that time. They've had people come in, value the coins, come up you know, come up with a valuation, see how much it would fetch, fetch at auction. They're thinking around $250,000 for these coins. But this is the thing. In the United States, uh, sorry, not in the United States, in the United Kingdom, in Britain, if you have found some kind of treasure... Yes. There are laws there surrounding are. it. And the laws are if you find treasure that's older than 300 years old, then it will be bought off you at a quote-unquote fair market rate yes. by the British Museum. That's right. Which is, which is a good deal. It's a very that's good, good deal. deal. Except all of these coins are 292 years old, <laughs> meaning <laughs> no. that they can take it to auction... Yeah, and instead of getting paid, you know, their hundred grand as the ultimate hoard to discover in the UK. That's right, something that's just under three hundred years old. With oh, some they level, only just snuck that they one. They just snuck it in, and even the, some of these coins have like minting errors as well. One of the coins, it's like supposed to have the the head of which king was it? King George. And the head's missing. Uh, they have some Brazilian coins in there that were illegally traded at that time as well. Like, this is like a decent stash. It's a hoard. That's a good this hoard. This is literally the dream hoard. Yes. Like, they've lifted up the floorboards. Now, was it in like a bag or something rather that had rotted away? Or was it in a treasure box? They found was it in it a, a bag. Was a treasure chest down there? They found it in a bag. Mm-hmm. The bag had, you know, kept some level of... of uh, Integrity, but they could see something shining through the bag. They picked up the bag and it went jangle, jangle, jangle. That's but, an exciting sound. And they were like, yep, this is, let's go. See, when I pulled up the floorboards in my house, I did an archaeological dig and it was super exciting. I found some glass bottles. Incredible. Yeah. Are they incredibly old? Well, if they're in Australia, they can't. No, that's right. We're in Australia. <laughs> well, what was interesting about them was that there was like maybe three or four of them. They were medicine bottles, and apparently the house next door used to be a doctor's office at one stage. Oh, wow. Like a GP. Like a GP. Uh-huh. So apparently had some connection or relationship to that. Now, how those bottles travelled across the fence and, under, and ended up underneath my house, I don't know. Yeah, that kind of sounds scandalous. It, it, yes. That kind of sounds conspiratory. We also found charcoal from where there'd been a... Fire that had taken place and some uh-huh. and some burnt and charred uh, floor joists. So the house mm-hmm. caught on fire at some time. Mm-hmm. Someone put it out. Mm-hmm. So you you learn all kinds of interesting things when you tear up floorboards. That's right. Well, now, like I would say after reading this story, I could say, oh yeah, I'd be inside, excited to tear up my floorboards. But again. I live in Australia and I'll probably find glass bottles and I don't know, unless I necessarily need to, I don't know if that investment of tearing up the floorboards is, is worth what's under there. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. 
are about to have the second quiz for our clue. Uh, cl- we are about to have the second question for our quiz. Yes, sir. And today is your last opportunity to get in to win this amazing board game and mm-hmm. have the privilege of having Lawson and I come over and play board ga- have a games night. Mm. And Producer Shell, of course. Producer Shell, she's the biggest gamer of us all. That's far. right. Correct. Yes. What was the name of the man whose ear Peter cut off? 0491-064-669. If you know his name and you answer correctly, you will go into the draw to win the Days of Daniel board game. That will be drawn this show at 8.45 a.m. But, hey, that, again, that question was, what was the name of the man whose ear Peter cut off? 491 Okay, so much to the horror of many politicians and leaders in the United States, including the President Joe Biden, a South, a South Carolina Republican Senator Lindsey Graham has introduced a bill mm. that would ban abortions after 15 weeks of pregnancy nationwide. So this would be federal legislation rather than state legislation. So this is the first uh, anti-abortion legislation that has been introduced since the overturning of Roe versus Wade, which mm. has been a very controversial mm-hmm. uh, move by the Supreme Court after that having been in place for a very, very long time. So this is a piece of legislation that is titled Protecting Pain-Capable Unborn Children from Late-Term Abortions Act. Mm. A long title, but I think it pretty much describes what he's trying to achieve and basically what he's saying is that once a child is able to feel pain, then you shouldn't be going and inflicting traumatic injuries on it to the point that it dies. Mm. So Democratic lawmakers have responded to this by attempting to pass their own bill, which is called the Women's Health Protection Act, which would codify abortion into federal law and prevent states from passing abortion restrictions. Mm. Okay, so basically it's like this. You've got the uh, Supreme Court of the United States, which can in many ways act as a legislative body in the way that it defines the Constitution. Mm-hmm. Then if they do something that the government doesn't like, and this has taken place in the past because the Supreme Court in the past has struck down religious liberty, the First mm-hmm. Amendment, as a result of that, it was then turned around by Bill Clinton who re-established religious liberty in the United States with the Religious Liberty Restoration Act. Yes. Now, the problem with the Religious Liberty Restoration Act is, you know, while it is still there and it is still a good piece of legislation, the problem with it is that it is an act of Congress rather than a part of the Constitution. Sure. Much easier to change an act of Congress. You just uh, introduce a new piece of legislation, say we're going to repeal that and you repeal it. Mm. Much harder to change the Constitution. Mm And so what the Democrats are trying to do here is to do what Bill Clinton did back then with the Religious Liberty Restoration Act. They're saying, well, our abortion rights have disappeared, so we're going to restore them uh, as an act of Congress. Mm. We're going to pass it through Parliament. It would be weaker, but it would still exist. It would still be a thing, and it would still restrict the states that are currently anti-abortion. Mm. So, yeah, this whole abortion debate it is definitely hotting up and uh, it's not going to be going away anytime soon. South Carolina Republican Senator Lindsey Graham says that his piece of legislation would bring the United States into the mainstream mm. of almost everybody else in the world 
Uh, there are 47 out of 50 European countries that have a similar piece of a legislation with a ban on abortion after either 12 to 15 weeks, mm. and he has erred on the side of liberality with going to the 15 weeks mm. rather than calling it out at 12 weeks, as many European countries do. Uh, the Democrats' version of Women's Health Protection Act would place America in the company of only seven other countries mm. that allow abortion on demand up to birth, those countries including Syria, Iran, North Korea, China and Australia. Wow. Ouch. Wow. Ouch. That's some, that's Ouch. some good company. Ouch. Yeah, so 54% of Americans support the ban of abortions after 15, 15 weeks, except in medical emergencies, mm-hmm. and 41% oppose the ban. So he has the majority of the country, but he doesn't have the majority of the House. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, basically what's going to happen is the upcoming midterm elections are going to decide whether this ever gets a chance or not, and even if it does get a chance, if the midterm elections swing in the uh, Republican direction, then Joe Biden will most likely just simply veto the legislation. Mm. But it would be there and it does keep the discussion moving. Who knows what could happen with a change of government. Mm. Okay, while we're on the subject of abortion, let's go over to Scotland where you've got an MP by the name of John Mason who has been disciplined by his party. He belongs to the Scottish National Party. Sure. And for making some radical comments in relationship to abortion. Okay. What is happening in Scotland is that they are considering passing legislation to ban any kind of gathering of any anti-abortion person anywhere near an abortion clinic. Oh, okay. And so as a good politician, he went out to see, okay, what's actually happening at these abortion clinics that everybody's so upset about, and then posted on Twitter. And he posted on Twitter about the signs that were at the uh, outside of the anti-abortion clinic. And he was like, you know what? They were really gentle and they were offering help. Um, he says there was nothing hateful or harassing about the signs. He just posted that. Mm. He didn't even pass an opinion as to whether, you know, they should be there or shouldn't be there. He just stated a simple fact that these were gentle, that they were offering help, and that there was nothing hateful or harassing about them. Mm. Uh, for that, of course, he has been placed under severe discipline by his party, uh, which has said, we would like to make it clear we absolutely respect your right to hold your views on abortion and your right to freedom of speech and expression. We do not, however, believe that you have the right to impose those views on others. So he commented on Twitter. So anything that you comment on Twitter <laughs> is imposing your view on somebody else. We respect your freedom so, of speech, but if you say it. But if you speak. <laughs> we, exp- we respect your freedom of speech so long what? as you don't speak. Uh-huh. This is exactly what they're going to say. Um, th- we believe you ha- you, that you have the... We do not be- believe you have the right to impose those views on others. The verbalization of your views... Is the problem. Wait, the verbalization of your views has caused great distress and trauma to many women and have also been regarded as misinformation by medical professionals. Can we? Can okay, we? Wait, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. So he says the signs were gentle, they were offering help, there was nothing hateful, and there was nothing harassing. Mm. He just makes that comment. Mm-hmm. He's not passing an opinion either side or the other. He's just 
commenting on the signs and he's been told that this is misinformation that has been provided by medical professionals. Okay, like I just want to roll it back to we respect your freedom of speech. So long as you don't speak. So long as you don't verbalise your opinion. This exact, I am quoting. That is incredible. I am quoting. This came from the party whips, Stuart McMillan and George MacDonald. Mm -hmm. They said, your behaviour and conduct have been extremely disappointing and we believe you have brought the parliamentary group into disrepute. Mm. Because he went out there to have a look, to find out what everyone was all upset about, and when he got there, he's like, "Hey, you know what? It's not actually that bad." Yeah, he went. He went out and got firsthand experience, something that the people writing this letter to him probably don't have. Probably not. Yeah, and probably don't want to have because they have an opinion of what they want to accomplish, mm. and that is to shut down any kind of conversation mm. on this subject. Mm. Because the more conversation there is on the subject of abortion, the more it becomes exposed as to what is actually taking place. Yeah, right here in Australia, while we're on this subject, um, the Queensland, uh, up in Queensland, you've got the director for the Australian Christian Lobby, Rob Norman, has just said, you know, abortion is always a tragedy. The news of full-term babies' lives being terminated is horrific. Mm. And so this is where, where we are in the same category as China, North Korea, Iran, these kind of countries. Mm. We are not in the same category of modern Western democracies. Which we pretend Europe, we are. Which we pretend we are, but when it comes to abortion, we are not. Mm. The public absolutely deserves full transparency from Queensland Health and the numbers of late-term abortions being performed, the criteria for deciding which babies are killed and the methods used to perform late-term abortions. Of course, all of that is being hushed up. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Let's have another question for our quiz and let's see if you can win this amazing board game that will increase your knowledge of the Book of Daniel. If you want to learn more about the Book of Daniel and compete with your friends and have a fun games night all at the same time, you need to get your name in the hat and you need to get it in now. You're running out Mm. of opportunities, so here's another opportunity right now. And this one is a particularly easy one that I believe you can get. I grew up, and I've mentioned it a few times on radio, I grew up, I wasn't a Christian growing up, but I went to Catholic school and by the time I was six years old, I knew this story. I would have been able to answer this question. So guys, what did the dove bring back to Noah? 0491 I remember sitting there, I was six, six years old in my kindergarten class, watching a cartoon of this story. Like, if I knew it then, then you definitely know it now. You can get in. This is your last opportunity to get in for the quiz. 0491-064-669. What did the dove bring back to Noah? Okay. You know the answer. Give us a call. Joining us on the phone this morning is Dr. John Ashton to talk about creation and science, and particularly the subject of intelligent design. Dr. John Ashton, welcome to the show. Yeah, hi, Lyle. Good to be here. Nice sunny day here. Uh, isn't it so fantastic? Uh, I'm, I'm assuming that you must be then home in the Lake Macquarie area. Would that be right? That's correct, yes. Yeah, so we're up in Newcastle. Not very many kilometres away. Looking out the window, can't see a cloud in the sky. Mm. Now, what are we talking about today, uh, Dr. John Ashton? 
Yeah, so I think one of the uh, current trends, um, for example, in the uh, breakfast uh, cereal industry, you might see uh, a number of products uh, coming out that are labelled gut healthy and um, its emphasis is growing on having sufficient uh, dietary fibre and so forth so that um, we have uh, healthy bacteria in our gut. And there are a lot of research has been done recently on the uh, benefits of having uh, an, a range of, uh, of a wide variety of bacteria in our gut um, and this uh, can help promote health. So we know that um, you know it can increase our immune system, it can make certain nutrients bioavailable and all this sort of thing. So we're learning about the important role that bacteria play in our in our gut and you know this is one of the trends that uh, moment you might have seen the ads on uh, TV with some of the companies uh, uh, with their different uh, products. And, of course, one of the main bacteria in our gut is E. coli. And um, we have, uh, you know, quite a, quite a weight of uh, these in our, in our uh, digestive system um, and, um, and the role they play. But it's only just in the last couple of years, matter of fact, some research papers were published in 2021, which is only last year, that scientists have begun to understand the amazing design in these tiny little bacteria that are so small we can't even see them, um, you know, um, and, and sort of uh, we just, you know, take them for granted. Yeah, we talk about bacteria and, and this sort of thing. But the design in these bacteria, for example, these bacteria have to swim through our, our, the, the fluid there in the colon, in the lower part, the bowel. And uh, how they do that, they're driven by uh, what they call little flagella that are little sort of like propellers that spin uh, on little electric um, motors. And that's right, these motors are actually little electric motors. They don't run on electrons like our electric motors. They run on... Uh, Protons, which are the positive charges, and uh, they can spin up to you know twenty thousand revs per minute. Some of them, in some bacteria, they spin up to about a hundred thousand revs per minute, and they are driven by little electric uh, little motors. And these motors have parts just like in you know the electric motors that are like in Tesla cars or in your blender in your house. Um, they have gears. They have rotor, they have axis, they have drive shaft, they have bushings, they have universal joint, they have adapter rings. It's, it's incredible. All the amazing parts that are in the little motors that drive these flagella. Matter of fact, they even have gears. So if you can imagine, uh, particularly if you're mechanically minded, a, a large circular gear, and then around the outside, there are a number of little small circular gears that are, are attached to the, uh, to the large gear. So if you can imagine, say, a large gear face, and then imagine a little small gear attached to it at, num- at one, another little small gear attached to it at the two position, another one, a little small gear attached to it at the three position, so forth, all the way around. Mm-hmm. And each of those gears is driven by a little electric motor. And so that gives you a tremendous amount of power in that central gear. And so the, uh, the motors have, um, 
the gear shifting uh, changes, so they have sensors that detect the viscosity of the fluid that the bacteria are in, and they can adjust the gearing accordingly so that the bacteria swims very efficiently using just the right amount of power to swim through. Um, It's absolutely amazing. How big are these? Oh, well, I guess if you looked at the motor, um, you could fit about 2,000 of these motors across the diameter of a human hair. <laughs> it's just, it's beyond imagination. I mean, this is microtechnology. It's just phenomenal. Yeah, and we don't realise that this is sort of happening all there in our in our gut. And there's also, it's, it's just been uh, discovered uh, fairly uh, recently that they, these um, little uh, bacteria have an amazing way of steering themselves through fluid. So what they have is they have sensors that detect the nutrients that are there in our colon so that they swim towards the maximum concentration of nutrients. So they actually have a system that tracks chemical gradients I think we've lost Dr. John Ashton there. From oh, here he's back again, but having a bit of trouble with your uh, phone line there. Um, oh no! Okay, John. but yeah, yeah we've got you loud and clear right now. So you were saying okay. that they that they actually have a navigation system to be able to navigate. That's right. Yes, they navigate by using a system that tracks chemical gradients, um, and it was described by the researchers recently as. Of being having exquisite precision, and the navigation system is able to turn the cell by switching the rotation direction of the motor um, of any of its flagella. So it has five to ten little propellers, and it can vary the rotation of these individual uh, propellers to direct it. And the system involves a, a signalling device that involves these hexagonal cells that um, get sensory input signals from a vast array of sensors um, that can detect different chemicals in our digestive system there, in our colon. And the circuitry of the device includes a short-term memory feedback loop, allowing it to compare chemical concentrations over time. And the different sensors communicate with one another. Um, and then there's an amplification system. And uh, this then is sort of regulated through a, a little um, system that interprets the data and directs the power to the flagella. So how's that in something that is just a simple bacteria? Now, evolutionists have to believe that this amazing coordinated system um, evolved by chance. Now, uh, in one of the researchers, and these people are working uh, in uh, at universities in England, as I said, the, the information was published as recently as last year. And um, they've actually worked out, of, and it's quite a complicated diagram I'm looking at here. It's a logic diagram of a portion of the sophisticated genetic program that controls motor construction. So not only have you got this this amazing design, but it has to be constructed. And there's a whole logic system 
that is involved in constructing the motor as the new cell forms. Isn't that incredible? So you've actually got a, there's a, there's a whole manufacturing process, there is a propulsion system, there is a navigation system, this is all contained in this time. Tell me, Dr John Ashton, when, when scientists first proposed the idea that life may have begun as a simple bacteria somewhere, a simple you know single-cell organism, whatever it might be, how much detail could they know and see about that? I mean, was this just a blob that they were looking at, or whether you, you say this is research that has come out in the last twelve months or so? That's right. Yes, yes. As a matter of fact, I I noticed too that um, uh, one of the universities there has got a major grant um, to try and understand how this system could evolve. <laughs> oh yes, I'd like to have get my hands on that grant. I can solve that problem for you with one passage of the Bible. God designed it that way. Problem solved. Let's yeah, that's right. Uh, isn't that amazing? They recognise it, of course. It's a major problem yes. for evolutionary theory. Which is why they're throwing so much money at it to try and solve it and come up with an explanation because they know we're all going to be talking about it. The view as the theory of evolution was developed. They. Eh? Um, uh, I mean, when Darwin's theory was developed, yes, we're having a little bit of trouble with uh, John Ashton's phone line there. Uh, this oh, morning. okay. Now it's back again. You're back again. You just came back on. All right, go for it. What was it you were just sharing with us? No, I think he's broken up again. Fascinating stuff, you know, particularly when you look at the complexity. Can we try and get uh, Dr. John Ashton back on the phone again, please, uh, Producer Shell? All right, let's see if we can get him back. He had some really interesting thoughts that he was sharing with us there that I am absolutely struggling to get my head around. Oh, sorry. Yes, yes. we got you back again. We, we, we keep losing you for some reason this morning, not sure why. Maybe this fine yes. weather is just making the phone networks go on holiday. Yeah, it uh, doesn't usually happen here, but um, no, when uh, Darwin's theory is proposed, they had discovered germs, of course, or what they call germs, little bacteria, and little animalcules, and uh, they had no idea of their structure. And of course, when Darwin's theory was evolved, it was nearly, uh, you know, developed, it was nearly 100 years before they then discovered DNA. And we, the other thing that we have to remember, too, is that the design for all these things is encoded in the DNA, which is a chemical model, a, mo- you know, a molecule made up of little uh, poor, you know, basic uh, chemicals that encode all this information. So that design system that works, that constructs, you know, all uh, the axle, the gearing, the little electric motors, um, the sensors that all coordinate, is absolutely impossible to arise by chance. I think we can all recognise that. Um, and with powerful, powerful evidence for a creator, absolute intelligent design, powerful evidence, overwhelming evidence in my view. It, it is. It is very overwhelming. Tell me, you've described a uh, particular bacteria that lives in our gut. E. coli, yes. E. coli. Right. One. How many different mm. kinds of E. coli might there be? How many other different kinds of bacteria might we have in our gut? And I'm assuming that all of them are going to have their unique complexities. Would that be true? Yes, that's right, yes. Oh, well, there are thousands of different types of uh, bacteria um, that live in our colon. As a matter of fact, uh, it's, uh, 
there's a consensus now growing that um, the wider the range of different types of bacteria, the healthier we're likely to be. Um, and uh, hence, you know, a big uh, push now for all these different probiotic drinks and kefir and and uh, the different, um, you know, uh, fermented type foods. Um, so it's a it's an area of research that's uh, in progress at, at the moment, and because we know that, for example, certain bacteria in our gut may predispose us to uh, to weight gain, and so that can be why certain people. They can do all sorts of diet, but they find it very difficult to lose weight. Um, uh, and we know that, um, yeah, it can affect our mental health, depression. Uh, so, you know, there's a huge range of bacteria um, uh, in our gut, and this is what makes it very difficult to study because there is such a huge range. And there's a, a large range of E. coli. Some of them are, are deadly, like... Um, I forget the, the code for it now, but the one that was responsible for the Gerobaldi out, um, deaths in South Australia a couple of decades ago, or a few decades ago. So, yeah, there's uh, a lot of variation. But, again, the design, the overall basic design, uh, just like, you know, possums, rats, us, and we all have digestive systems that are basically uh, similar, but... Um, but then they're uniquely different. Well, it's the same in the bacteria kingdom too, but all powerful evidence of design that works, powerful evidence for a creator, and we know that's a loving creator uh, from the Bible. Dr. John Ashton, thank you so much for sharing this morning. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.